Hi, I'm Brent Stafford and this is RegWatch by RegulatorWatch.com. The U.S. vaping industry faces many unforeseen challenges, but no challenge is more predictable than the threat posed by underage vaping. When youth vape nicotine in large numbers, it generates a slew of nationwide media coverage and forces the U.S. Food and Drug Administration to stiffen resolve for its pre-market tobacco application process and to escalate enforcement. And while the much-talked-about PMTA requirements concerning the science and safety of vaping prove arduous, a less-discussed requirement, post-market reporting, could prove hardest for the industry to surmount. In its effort to keep nicotine vaping products out of the hands of youth, FDA requires all vaping product manufacturers to maintain records and make reports that detail and track the shipment and sale of each and every vaping product, whether sold through a distributor, retailer, or direct-to-consumer. A manufacturer's plan for post-market reporting must be comprehensive and responsive, meaning that through product tracking and tracing, corrective actions could be taken if product falls into the hands of youth. To help reduce the burden of post-market reporting on the industry and to better shore up overall compliance, the Smoke-Free Alternatives Trade Association, SFADA, is unveiling this week a new program called RIN, the Responsible Industry Network. The RIN program is a closed-loop network of manufacturers, distributors and retailers that all share the same solutions for age verification, product track and trace, data management and reporting back to the FDA. They also share a commitment to adult-only marketing standards and a responsibility to root out bad actors. Joining us today to talk about the RIN program is Taylor Cage, Board Secretary and Communications Chair at SFADA. Taylor, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks so much for having me, Brent. You bet. So first off, it sounds like the RIN, the RIN program is designed to solve a problem. What is that problem? Well, we know that the PMTA process is notoriously difficult to navigate. It's difficult to comprehend and even more difficult to comply with. The filing, as we know, is is the easiest part so far, and we still have a lot of work to do. We're at the point now where it's comply or die. And we see the huge need to set this golden standard for post-market compliance. And we've made the RIN program this fail-proof plan. It's airtight because we'll have a closed-loop distribution network. Uh, RIN manufacturers will sell to RIN distributors who will sell to RIN retailers who will only sell to adults. Every transaction will be recorded. Each party in the chain will have access to the data that verifies age check compliance. And each party will have a venue to survey their consumers and RIN will create this rich database that will have sales and marketing advantages for members while also using third party services for age verification and secret shoppers. Uh, the reporting burdens will be dramatically reduced for program participants. And all the regulatory bodies that we've spoken to have indicated that this plan would be acceptable. So Taylor, FDA's problem is that they need to prevent uh, vaping products getting in the hands of youth. It's the same problem for the vaping industry. How does the RIN program solve that problem? So the RIN program is going to demolish that problem with a fail-proof three-prong attack. Uh, one is going to be mandatory age verification. 
Two will be trace verified technology to ensure that products that are sold to adults stay in the hands of adults. And three, enforcement actions against anyone not adhering to these rules to ultimately protect our REN program members from bad actors. Tell us a little bit about your background, Taylor. I mean, I know that a lot of people know who you are, but for those that don't, you've had a pretty special position with inside the vaping industry. I have. It's been a wonderful what, seven years now. Um, I started smoking at a really young age, at 12. I was a bad, bad kid. <laughs> and throughout my uh, teens and early 20s, I always wanted to stop. I tried every conceivable method to stop smoking, um, whether it was Chantix or Wellbutrin or patches, gums, everything. Nothing really seemed to work until around 25 when a vape shop opened up down the street from me and I went in and got a little ego pen and and a bottle of castle long and never looked back um so so after i quit smoking uh i guess it had been a couple of years i left my job at a law firm and took a position with Alchem marketing and handling inside sales for their nicotine line called Nick Select. And I spent about three years with them and left them to take a position as VP of sales for North America Nicotine, the American distributor for CNT, who is the largest nicotine provider worldwide. And since the PMTA deadline, I've been freelancing for companies like Trace Verify and Baton Vapor and focusing every spare moment that I have into Safada initiatives. So when I say special, uh, not to be derogatory, but you have had your hand on the nicotine coming into the U.S. Yes. Just like El Chapo. <laughs> <laughs> Just like El Chapo. Thank you for going there before I had to do that. Nicotine is by far, obviously, the bogeyman, right? It is the demon here of vaping. And so it's the thing that partly is the thing that the regulator is most interested in controlling. So you must have some experience or, or tell me about it uh, with FDA, at least in terms of having to deal with compliance. Well, I think instead of uh, a boogeyman, you know, there's really this softer scientific side to nicotine, which I think deep down is recognized by the regulatory apparatus as uh, something relatively harmless in and of itself along the lines of caffeine, um, which is why, why we're not seeing a big crackdown on ingredients. You know, if, if the FDA really wanted to decimate this market, they would shut down all of the nicotine coming into the country and we wouldn't have the material to make these products. And is that actually doable? I think I think if they really wanted to, they could. Um, but they don't and they haven't. So. So I think um, forcing forcing this regulatory burden onto retailers, manufacturers, distributors, 
we're sort of seeing that their true motive is eliminating youth exposure. They just want to get control of it and make sure that it stays out of the hands of youth. Certainly. And the REN program provides the roadmap for that. So SFADA's Responsible Industry Network, what happens if you don't join the network? It certainly would leave you really exposed um, and responsible for all of those reporting requirements yourself, which is a, a huge burden if anyone attempts to, to try. And that's sort of why Safada recognized that, that there was a huge hole that needed to be filled by the service. And that's what the RIN program does. So I'd imagine, so let's say you're middle-sized, uh, vape juice manufacturer and you sell to retailers and you sell to distributors and you might even do some direct to consumer. It's really your responsibility as the manufacturer to make sure that the product product is tracked and traced and could be identified if it was sold to somebody under age through any of those chains uh, below you. Right. And so what the RAN program does is ease the burden of that reporting on the manufacturer and it eases the burden of possible exposure on the part of distributors and retailers. So everyone in the chain is, is ensured that the products they're buying, selling, making are made in accordance with the FDA guidelines and are committed to staying out of the hands of minors. Taylor, tell us, what is the primary raison d'etre for why the RIN program exists? So we've created this to create a plan that is digestible for manufacturers, distributors, and retailers that the FDA also feels comfortable getting behind. And we're doing this by taking this huge administrative burden off the shoulders of both sides and facilitating that flow of data from production to purchase and monitoring the marketing, um, making sure it's restricted to adults only, and doing everything that we can possibly do while also showing proof of that to the FDA to reduce youth access to these products. So you're facilitating the data, the move gathering and movement of the data to FDA from production uh, to purchase. Yes, and while doing that, um, because we're planning on having so many companies uh, behind us and part of this program, we're really confident that we'll be setting the standard for reporting to the FDA. If somebody buys a product and then gives it to somebody underaged, is this program going to help identify the bad actors involved in that chain? Absolutely. So we have uh, partnered with Trace Verify to provide uh, QR codes that will be printed or stuck onto the products being sold. And what Trace Verify does is uh, creates a, a unique trace tracer for each product bought and sold, and it will securely log uh, where it was purchased, when it was purchased, and how old the purchaser was to just any, just any person looking at this information. And the uh, sort of sensitive data 
will be made available to law enforcement officials, such as who exactly bought that product and put it into the hands of uh, someone who is underage. So if a product that ends up in the hands of of a youth can be traced back to a retailer, obviously, through the RIN program, what happens then to that retailer if they were responsible for product getting into the hands of youth? If if a retailer has a, a certain number of violations, then we would remove them from the program. And if they're removed from the RIN program, then they would not be allowed to then sell any of the product from manufacturers in the RIN, in the RIN program. Right. They would be barred from selling uh, products made by our manufacturers just as an extra level of protection for RIN participants. The track and trace portion of this, you're working with Trace Verified. So that means that all the, the retailers share that relationship. Yes, and we'll have incentivized rates through Trace Verify uh, for members of our program. And what about age verification? We're working on that as well. Uh, we will have incentivized rates for certain age verification programs. Right. So I just to back back on to the track and trace, the actual component of it. I mean, are there going to be RF uh, tags and stuff? I mean, are we are we really talking about a parent finding a bottle of e-juice in their kid's bathroom or bedroom and being able to track that to a retailer? So it will be a QR code, not an RFID technology. But essentially, yes. If if a parent finds uh, their kid with a backpack full of products. They're going to be able to scan this bottle and determine when and where it was purchased. So I would imagine the FDA would be very interested in this program. How much have you shared with them, with the regulator, and what's been the feedback? We have shared the program with regulatory agencies, and the feedback has been very positive. I think one of the most attractive features to the regulatory bodies is the closed loop feature. And that really um, is going to to reduce the regulatory burden uh, while, you know, simultaneously keeping keeping these products on the market. Do you all think that the RIN program could grease the wheels a little bit uh, for some of the manufacturers hoping to get through the PMTA process, or is this just solely a post-PMTA advantage? Certainly, there's a lot of advantages to joining the RIN program for someone who has filed a PMTA. Um, We know that the filing is sort of the easy part. Your work isn't done there. You still have uh, post-market reporting, um, marketing, monitoring, and uh, even adverse reaction reporting to deal with. And the FDA isn't going to give you a marketing order unless you prove that you have those programs in place. So by joining the RIN program, you help satisfy a whole lot of that. Yes, without a doubt. What's been the uh, feedback so far from those in the industry that have to join? The industry feedback has been great. We've been working with a lot of Safada members to sort of feel out um, how we can best serve everyone along the chain. Um, And that's how we came to the determination that it's going to be a ton of work. 
uh, a ton of effort and and basically just uh, facilitating that flow of data. Now, the vaping industry can be a cynical bunch at times. Uh, has anybody pushed back with regards to this just being a profit-making operation for Svada? This is absolutely not a profit-making uh, expedition. We have done the legwork. We've talked to these agencies. Um, they like what we've shown them. We're not planning on making a whole lot of money on this. Everything, everything is going to go into the administration of this program. And ultimately, we're taking this to forge a regulatory path forward to preserve this industry for its members. What about the cost for the program? So the cost of the program is going to be a little bit different depending on whether you're a manufacturer, distributor, or retailer. So I would urge anyone interested in signing up to go visit Zapata.org. Now, are they able to do that now? I mean, is the program out, out in the wild, as they say? We're still making some final tweaks, but uh, all of the critical information should be live at Zapata.org. A question about security of data, you know, is pretty much a must. I mean, there's proprietary information that's within inside, you know, manufacturer, distributor, retail chain with that data. Um, you know, is there not some concern amongst members that the data would be shared? It all ends up into a co-op, that kind of thing. Certainly. So any sensitive data is going to be protected and uh, accessible only to the FDA and the uh, or originator of that data. So ultimately, the manufacturers will be responsible for reporting to the FDA. Uh, the REN program will just be um, translating that data into a digestible form for the FDA. Taylor, is this the first time uh, a vaping association has tried to put a program like this together? I would say it's the first time a program of this magnitude has come together from an advocacy organization. Um, the key focus of Safada has always been to advocate for sensible regulation. Um, and the RIN program is really the culmination of years of experience in dealing with these regulatory challenges, along with, you know, tireless effort and really searching through all of these little crumbs that they've dropped through the the comment periods and rulemaking process. So REN is really the program that's gonna change the landscape for us from something threatening and scary and unmanageable to something relatively painless that anyone with common sense can, can comply to, to, to guide us through what's ahead. And that's why we need as many members as possible to rally behind us for that. What happens to the industry in the U.S. if a program like this doesn't, you know, garner members and become active and, and successful? I think we're going to see a lot of people try to navigate this path alone and sort of with no experience. And they're going to die on the vine and, you know will probably see their uh, applications get rejected and we could end up with with no vaping products with marketing orders. 
Taylor, this sounds all very interesting. I'm actually very excited for a program like this because so often we hear the call of call for unity with inside vaping. And here's a perfect opportunity for stakeholders to actually unify around something tangible. Yeah, and I think it goes a little bit beyond tangible. You know, we've seen many try and fall under the weight of this burden and Safada has put together a robust and elaborate plan to forge this path forward. Um, I'm absolutely thrilled to be working with a group that's taking meaningful action. Our board that we've put together is so knowledgeable, so skilled and absolutely ferocious um, and full of fight. And we're working tirelessly to carry this banner forward. We want to save save this industry from overregulation um, and make sure that we preserve adult access to tobacco harm reduction products. And to do that, we need the support of everyone that wants to stick around and everyone with even the tiniest little bit of fight left. Um, I know a lot of people are kind of suffering from advocacy fatigue lately. Um, we need your support now more than ever uh, while we fight for you to stay in business. Well, that's great. Well, Taylor, thank you very much for coming on the show. Thanks so much for having me.